Good evening. It's from the Rookery End. Uh, it's Thursday. It's the 28th of April, uh, four days after Wembley, with four Watford games left of the season. Uh, my name is John. With me this evening is uh, Jason. Hello there. And Geordie. Hello. Uh, and Mike. And I'm feeling sad all over. Yes, I'm sad all over. Yeah. All right. Uh, ten points if you can tell me who sang that originally. Um, about 30,000 Crystal Palace fans last week. For the Dave Clark Five. Correct. <laughs> ten FTRE points to Jason. Um, we're at a pub. Uh, on a Thursday, um, which is, this is probably going to be our penultimate podcast of the season, because um, it does feel like the season's over, doesn't it, Mike? Yeah, I think um, coming out of the, um, the FA Cup semi-final on, on Sunday, it did feel like that was our big target missed, um, the, the one thing, the sort of one shining beacon we had left um, to play for, so to speak. Of course, that's not true. There's, as you said at the top, there's four Premier League football matches to go. We spent a lot of time, money, and heartache trying to get to the Premier League, and we've got four games left to go. So let's we're going to have a, uh, a say in the relegation race. We've got Norwich and Sunderland to come. Um, so yes and no. I think we should have recovered by the time Saturday comes round. Football's on again, isn't it? Do you say so, Jace? Uh, is the football season over? No, you know me. I like a bit of Schadenfreude at the end of the season, and I think it'd be great fun um, if we uh, if we can take points off Sunderland last day of the season and relegate them. It seems a bit harsh and a bit unfriendly, but you know it's, that's how you get your kick, though, Jason. Exactly, it could have been us, and it's nice to know that it's not us. Uh, and yeah, I'd be smiling inside if uh, if we did relegate Sunderland. Jordy, uh, four games: uh, Villa, Liverpool, Norwich, Sunderland. Um, which one do you want to win the most? Just for pride's sake, Villa. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't be not beating them. Um, I mean, Liverpool away would be a great, uh, a great win. But again, it's going to be an emotional time for the Liverpool, Liverpoolians. Um, and I don't really care who gets relegated, so I don't really want to win uh, Norwich or Sand. I'm not desperate to beat one to help the other. Uh, to be honest, I think the four games are very important. It feels like the season's over to the fans, but... We, you know, the whole uh, discourse about momentum is very important uh, and I think it's a chance for the players people saying that the second half of the season they've kind of taken their foot off the gas but we had the cup to keep us interested now the, now the gas the foot is off the gas if you like there's nothing to play for other than pride and I think we'll see who is mercenary and who is uh, passionate about Watford Okay, the, the big talking point um, though the thing that's probably going to uh, be most of this podcast uh, is going to be at the, uh, the, the probable but very much being clearer that Kike Sanchez Flores will be leaving Vicarage Road uh, at the end of the season. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we're also going to play our interview that Mike and I did with Odie Nagala a couple of weeks ago. We went to the training ground uh, and talked about his first year as a Watford player from when he arrived until he scored that goal against Everton uh, in the first game of the Premier League season all that time ago. Um, but let's go. Oh, let's, let's let's get to the, 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 the start of it. WD Sport. Kevin Affleck has um, put out the newspaper today. The article he wrote uh, starts with this. Extra, extra. Why Kike will bid sad Watford farewell? We like Kike. At times, we've loved him. In an ideal world, we'd like him to stay. But whether you like it or not, whether it's hard to stomach, his marriage with Watford is over. Fans want to know why such a charming coach who's kept their team up and taken them to a cup semi-final will not be here next season. With the information we have, we provide some answers. I want to know what this is going to mean. You know, we're fans and we're going to give our opinions and what it means to us. But what, Mike, what do you think this is going to mean to Watford Football Club? It's going to mean a whole 
another load of scrutiny um, from the media and from supporters, um, which is something that is quite tiring, to be honest. Um, and that's, but it's a given. We're going to be a lot of lot of people wringing their hands, asking why, why, why. Um, it's going to mean a roll of the dice um, because we're taking another step into the unknown. Um, difficult second season. Uh, will the, will any new coach? Obviously, this is all assuming Kike does go. Um, <clears throat> another roll of the dice. Is he going to work okay? The new player, new manager. Is he going to work all right with the players? Is he going to gel? Uh, but it's all unknown. That's that's my my problem. Is that it's so much unknown? Yeah, I think in a nutshell, a lot of grief, a lot of jip for the hierarchy, a lot of grief and jip for us as supporters. We will spend a lot of the summer defending, um, or perhaps castigating the um, uh, the the actions of our, of, of the owners and and, uh, and the senior management, and then potentially quite nervous as well over the summer because the second season was always going to be difficult we've seen it time and time again with with teams who have come up and made a reasonable fist of it in the first season and then and then struggled in the second season so as we get closer to, to the start of August I think there'll be probably a bit of, little bit of trepidation amongst us as to see how quickly any new coach can can get this because there's going to be new players coming in again there's going to be players coming out we know that there will be turnover so it's kind of back to square one to a degree but there's a lot more Premier League know-how around the club. We're still in the Premier League. There's um, extra reserves in terms of funds to be used to, to hopefully and maybe attract new players that, that we might need, that we might have identified over the last year. So uh, from a club point of view, scrutiny, a gamble, no doubt a little bit of nerves uh, because um, they know they're making a big decision. But I think they'll be very, very confident and comfortable in whatever move they do make, if that is to remove Kike Sanchez Flores, and I think they will already have a probably a couple of names in their head who they think is suitable for this role, and they will be clinical, they will be decisive and, and definitive, and they will go for it, and they will go for it with their heads, well, their heads held very much high and a straight back, thinking um, and fully expecting that they are doing the best for Watford Football Club. I know what you're saying, and that whole thing about trusting them is important, because they've done it before. You know, this isn't the first time we've had a conversation um, about a change of what for manager. But it is that point of when is it too much? I'm starting to feel that I trust what they've done, but I'm starting to feel I don't know enough about Gino to sort of know, understand why these decisions happen. Does it make sense? Yeah, and, but I think we do know enough about the about the ownership to understand that if they think something is wrong, they will act. Billy McKinley is unfortunately for for him and really and Watford's reputation to a degree is a case in point. They realised they made a mistake and they sacked him after after eight days, unheard of in footballing circles really, uh, certainly at, uh, at our level. So they know what they they have full faith in 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 their operations. That's just the way it is. And in terms of managers head coaches ultimately they see them as dispensable what they don't see as dispensable is the playing squad because obviously you cannot change 25 players you can change one man because uh, that one man has a big big impact on the entire club the the feel of the club the performance the feel of the players their level of performance and and of course therefore their perceived value and I've said this after Wembley, the money for, to run Watford Football Club has to come from somewhere. 
the Pozzos aren't there for the good of their health. They're running it as a business, and the money is developed by player sales. Is it now? Not with, with the money that's coming in next year from the Premier League, really, is it that important? I think it plays a big part in it. I think it plays a big part in it. All right, so Jason, that these players, what's it going to mean to anybody, not say individuals, what's it going to mean to the Watford players to have another change in Watford manager or head coach? Um, you say it's not about individuals, but I think the individuals will react differently. Um, you could probably look at groups of players. Now, we talked recently about our sort of players are on our sort of shortlist for, for player of the season, uh, and the majority of those... Burghouse. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of those, not Burghouse, um, were players that were here last season. And as we've sort of alluded to already, these guys have been through a big change of managers already. Um, so, for another manager to change... You can almost say water off a duck's back, certainly for the senior professionals in the side, the likes of Gomez and Count Dini is one of those as well. They're players that have been through different clubs. They've changed clubs themselves in the past and so will be used to change at that management level. They're all professionals, so again, they should be able to deal with it. If they can't deal with it, then maybe they're in the wrong job or certainly in the wrong football club. Um, So what we need is for the players to... Look at it, it is what it is, you've got to get on with it and see it as an opportunity. The, the Potsos are treated as an opportunity to take the club onto another level. They need to see it as the opportunity to, to take themselves on another level. Now, obviously, some of those players might find themselves out of favour next year. Um, and you what about imagine. the ones that might find themselves in favour compared to this year? Or do you think, or do you think those players, such as Berghouse, you know, do you think that they'll... Do you still do you think a new manager is a thing that might bring them in? It may well do. Yeah, those players might see that as an opportunity to get in. They might think that under Flores, and certainly we, we've seen with the way Flores plays, the way he picks his team, he seems to have his favoured starting eleven uh, and sort of starting match day squad. And there's a lot of players there that we thought might get chances that haven't had much of a chance. So they would certainly see this as an opportunity to to prove their worth to the club and have another shot at getting into the starting eleven and getting more football next season. Well, while we're on players, I think this is a valid question, and I saw this was... Because there's obviously quite a lot of people who are, who are upset about the potential departure of Kike for a number of reasons, and one of the questions I saw raised was, or a statement was, he's done the best with what he's got, and it, that actually made me think, how good is this group of players? Is this a 41 point, 40, however many points were on group of players, or is it a 50 point? Should we have done better with this group of players? How how good are they? So talking about the players, I don't. I wonder how many of them are gonna. They, they would just get rid of them because they should have done. But potentially they should have done better. Well, he's technically still be a fifty-three point team, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, and I desperately hope it will. But we they've shown in defence of Kike Sanchez Flores, the first half of the season was magnificent. It may not have been up any everyone's street in terms of the style. There weren't many goals, there weren't many frills, but that was never going to be what we were going to be about this year. And we we bloodied a lot of noses in the first half of this team and they, uh, this season, and they showed it could work. So. Are these, that's a question I guess I don't know whether it's for you guys or it's for the people listening is how good is this squad how good are the players that we've attracted because if you look around the network look at the Udinese look at Granada you know Udinese famously qualified for the Champions League but Granada have struggled again this year 
and Udinese have struggled again this year. And this is by no means a criticism of 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 the of the pots of Gino and, and Scott and, and, and who the players they brought in. But I wonder if there's a does the system have a limit? Ha, ha, yeah, what level are we at? How good are these players? Is a is a big question for me. Geordie, why do you think they're doing this? Why change a manager who has, as we've discussed in the podcast loads of times, done more than we'd hoped for? Um, it wasn't all amazing, but done more than we hoped for. Why make the change? Um, I think if you, if you look at the macro results of the season, which are the headlines that the pundits look at, which our friends who aren't Watford fans look at, which you just alluded to, arguably exceeding our expectations, staying up comfortably, getting to a semi-final, it does seem like a bit of a wacky decision. Kind of the quick answer to why they're doing it is because they think it's for the best. And I think to understand why that is, you need to look at more than micro issues. And so, yes, we had a great first half of the season. How much of that was luck and how much of that was good fortune? Uh, You know, things falling our way, finding a good formation, which obviously wasn't the formation we planned to start the season with. You know, it, it showed adaptability to a point in getting that far. Once the wheels kind of came off that f- formation, we've had three months to find another solution within with the players you've got. If we if we'd had um, Jamie Vardy and he'd got injured in Jan- you know in mid January, and we said, well, we've just lost our main striker, you know, it's going to be hard to adapt. But we haven't. We haven't. We've we've had the squad, if you like. We haven't brought in any special players. The, 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 half the players that came in have been shipped out again uh, and Amrabat's kind of not an out and out striker it seems so there has been an opportunity to find other ways of playing and I think I think the kind of the reason we're doing it is because potentially and I guess internally there's a concern that maybe we probably peaked under Kike around Christmas time and this isn't a, a, a mountain and a trough and then a mountain and a trough this is We've, got, we've, we've hit as hard as we're going to go with him which is when we were kind of ninth and we were kind of discussing well, what's going to happen I don't think anyone expected to get into Europe and a lot of kind of non-Watford fans are saying well what did you expect you know unrealistic expectations you know you don't know what you're doing you're trigger happy and we know the reason for the managers with the, the resignation and the ill health and then the kind of you know one night stand with Billy McKinley almost kind of and then woke up and realised oh, lucky been... girls who have a one night stand with you if they last for eight days Jordy <laughs> Enough said. Uh, <laughs> John, um, John's, had, uh, John's had shorter marriages. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think there's obviously issues beyond the headlines, and that's about developing the, the squad. Kike was brought in uh, to do a job, and he's done that job. And next season, it's a different job. And and uh, I think there's kind of um, a momentum and a status quo bias that we all have, which is oh, he's our manager. We'll keep him as our manager. If we didn't have a manager in four weeks' time, which we probably might, might not have, would Kike be appointed to take us to the next level? And I think the answer is no, because, and I remember saying to you guys when we appointed him, I asked my friends in Spain about him, and they said, he's a great manager, he'll you know, do a job for you, but he never stays anywhere very long, and his second season's always worse than his first. So you wonder whether the Pozzos brought him in to do a job, and this is the long-term plan, and make sure we've got someone who's going to keep us up guaranteed. We don't want someone to build... Uh, you know, start merging and trying, and now we want someone who's going to go in, keep it steady, Eddie, get him a load of players who are 28 and up, stay up, and then once you've stayed up, there'll be three teams coming up from the championship next season. There'll be one who's just you know going to implode like a villa. It'll be easier to stay up the second season if we if we've stayed up the first. If that makes sense, we better I, I, we better bring players in. Sorry, Jordy, I think that's the interesting thing you mentioned. People looking in, sort of calling it a wacky decision. You finished 
you know, 12th, 11th, 10th, hopefully we can finish comfortably in, in, uh, in, in mid-table. And people say, well, you finished 11th, you got to an FA Cup semi-final. How, how can you not reward your manager for that? And I think the, the impressive slash scary thing from the owner's point of view is there is no benchmark that if you get over it, you're secure. They're always looking ahead. So this isn't a reaction to where we finish. We could finish ninth and get to the. Could have got to the FA Cup final potentially, and the decision would still have been made because it's about preparing for next year. And and there is no golden figure. There is no golden result that will guarantee uh, the head coach here. And and that's what I think. I'm not sure if I agree with that or not because we all we all work. And if we're operating when there isn't a target, a more defined. All right, they're staying up. Or, is not a defined target for head coach it's going to be quite difficult so but that's what I that's how I see it and that's why I think people will will find it difficult to comprehend yeah I mean the, the interesting thing is you know, when Slav went there were, one of the kind of post rationalizations was well he's never managed at the top level we need someone with experience kickers managed Benfica Atletico Madrid and you think well could he is has he has he proved himself at a better level than we're at and therefore does he deserve the chance and there must be, you know, we, we all have objectives like that might be saying at work. Some of them are real headline objectives. Some of them are, are smaller ones. And there's, it's not just what happens on the pitch. That's what the fans see. But there's evolution of a club internally. There's, oh, you know, people grumbling about the under 21s. That's not Kike's fault. But there's, but when you're the manager, and I know the Watford got an unusual structure, if you like, with the way they're set up. But there's, there's a bit more to it than just picking the players and sending them out on a, on a Saturday. So. They obviously feel that that's not the next thing to do, and maybe maybe they do want someone. The next manager is going to be the long-term one. You know, the, the job was establish yourself in the championship, get out of the championship as soon as you could. That took a couple of goes to do. Uh, one season that was particularly disappointing in the middle. Now get up, stay up, and then once you've stayed up and proved yourself, and now you're a more attractive proposition to players from abroad and all these things, then you start bringing in the younger players, mix them with the older players that have shown they deserve it, and that's when you start. Like the real project, if that makes sense. It's almost like everything up to now has been like the starter. And um, I think because I remember going to the Nat Your Place last year and speaking to Scott and Slav, and they were saying, No, we're going to win the league. We're going to win. That's our objective. It's not get promotion, it's win the league. And that for a Watford fan was unusual because Watford are a nice team. We don't, we don't aspire to stop somebody else. That'd be terribly rude, you know. And, you know, we're hoping, Oh, fourth from bottom, please fourth from bottom. That's not the way the management think. They haven't got a legacy of uh, that Glen Rhoda and Colin Lee and stuff to go, fuck, we're lucky where we are. They, they're saying we've come in to, to make this team be the best they, they can be. And we've got a plan and we've got a project, as they like to say, and, and, and they're moving and the objectives change every season. There has, to be, there has to be a more emotive side to all this. I think we've done quite a good job of being quite dispassionate about it so far and discussed it. Quite, quite clinically and John you're the only one who's hinted at any sort of dissatisfaction or, or really any emotion and I think there is an emotional side to this and, and ultimately I, I feel quite sad that I, I'm genuinely and generally quite protective of, of Watford managers slash coaches and there's very rare occasions when I've been happy that someone's been, been sacked you know the Viali and Bassett and then when Boothroyd went it had all gone a bit nasty but ultimately I'd rather always rather that the head coach or manager stayed and was a success and most people think that and also it's about having something to hold on to something about um, and people did say what about Watford's identity and alright we always look at the Watford badge and we've always got Vicarage Road for now and we've got the yellow red and black and we've, we're the Hornets and, and so on and so forth but and I think you alluded to this it does get difficult when you know there's going to be a, a conveyor belt and 
also, you know, Kiko was was he looked great. He 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 gave great. He looked great. He looked great. Good man. Um, good good style. He met him and he was lovely, which obviously makes it a bit more difficult. But I do think we are allowed to feel a little bit, um, yeah, a bit more emotional about it and about whether there is sort of stuff to worry about as a club and what it means to be a football supporter and what it means to be a Watford supporter. I think that probably is sort of the, yeah, the, the, the most difficult thing about this and the saddest thing about him going, if he does, um, is that we have had a lot of bad press since the Potsdays have come along and a lot of the good press that we've had this season is around, has been around Kike. Um, WD Sport used the words charming and charm quite a lot. I think the Smiths wrote a song about him, this charming manager. Um, <laughs> but he is, I mean, he, he, he is a very course, well uh, presented. Mark, was it Mark Morrissey that played for Watford? <laughs> oh, oh, very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or Pat, or Pat Morrissey. Pat Morrissey? Oh, very good. Yeah. Was it? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> Right, you've got my point. I think yeah, that'll, yeah, do, that'll do. As long as we don't get the Walter Smiths in as the next uh, next head coach. Yeah. Uh, it, this, I say, this isn't 100% confirmed. The club has said they're not going to do anything and discuss anything until after the season. Um, but there, there was there was smoke last week um, in the in the national press, uh, and and this is the the main thing that is in this week's edition of uh, WD Sports. Um, so it, it, it might happen, but what, if it does happen, then Watford probably will be a slightly Less cooler football club. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. We're in the Escort Tavern and um, I've just been to the toilet and noticed that someone in the graffiti has done a big heart and inside it, which has now been scrubbed out a little bit probably, says Watford Pozzo family in a big heart. There's still a lot of Watford love around. I don't think it should be scrubbed out at all. I think it's still... I can still read it. The heart is still beating strong here in WD18. Um, so we, we've, talk, we've talked about this, this why Kike's going. Um, it, and it's not all about his failure to uh, keep Watford in the Premier League and to achieve something this year with, with Watford Football Club. Um, but we want to sort of look at, where, uh, look at what he's achieved and, and put it in a context of the, of the wider... Premier League. Mike has uh, been given the task and come up with a, a top 10 that doesn't include Kike, that'll come up in a minute, of the Premier League managers in the uh, this season. So what is your top 10? So my top 10, I was asked to vote for the top 10. Number one is obviously Steve McClellan. No, no. <laughs> Claudio Ranieri. Number two is Pochettino at Spurs. Number three, this was my tip for the sack. The first manager to get sacked this season. Slaven Bilic at uh, West Ham. Four, Mark Hughes. Number five, Koeman. Six, Pellegrini for his Champions League exploits. Number seven, Eddie Howe. Number eight, Jurgen Klopp. Number nine, Louis van Gaal. And number ten, Gus Hiddink. Now, you would probably write a different one. I would change a few around. I think I'd put uh, Billick um, above uh, Pochettino. Uh, but that's, the, that's not the debate's about. Um, well, apart from it is, Jason, what would you, what, how would you change that, that list? I wouldn't have Pellegrini in there. Sorry, Mike. Right. I, I, I think they've underachieved. I think they should be challenging for the title. Uh, Man City will be disappointed. So I'd, I'd but, didn't they, but didn't they, the fact that they knew he's been sacked and not been around, but he's kept going 
kept doing well and done well in the Champions League mean something, Jason? Mm, again, they've consistently underperformed in the Champions League, so they're probably hitting what they should be in the Champions League. But I think that's still, we're still at an underachievement at the moment for, for Pellegrini. Um, so I'd get rid of him, so I'd move Howe up to six. Uh, and then I would put Kike in at seventh. Oh, okay. Uh, probably leave Klopp at eighth. Move Hiddink up to ninth because he's done well coming into a, a, an underperforming Chelsea side and obviously hadn't been defeated in the league until very recently. He's done well. And at number 10, I'd put Wenger because I think he's achieving about what uh, Arsenal probably are, a, a top four club. So you're um, actually getting rid so of Pellegrini and Van Gaal. Van Gaal because I think yeah, Man United should be a top four club. I don't think he's... I think he's he's just about managed to turn it on when he's needed to this season. They, 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 they look like they're in trouble and then he gets a result out of the bag and I think he's just sort of bobbing and keeping his head above water and I don't think that's enough for them. OK, well, um, Geordie, how, when you read Mike's uh, on our WhatsApp group, when you read that, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, there's nothing really controversial, was there? I mean, he's, he's always on the on the fence. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, you've got top ten managers. That's twenty clubs. Half the clubs aren't going to be in it, and generally the clubs in the bottom half aren't going to be in it. So there's not a great deal of movement. I'll give it. I mean, the obvious absence is Wenger, but if if Leicester win the league and Tottenham finish above you, it's not going to be a good season for an Arsenal fan. Um, he thinks kind of come in and rescued it. I think maybe uh, who might be in it. Uh, would you put Pulis in it, for example? Not for the sexy football, but you know, there's three bigger clubs probably going down or getting sucked into the thing. Alex knew. I mean, Norwich are kind of circling the drain, like when you put a when there's a fly in the bath that's trying to not get sucked down the drain and it's just fighting for his life. He's wonder if he's going to get out or not because I mean, the 50-50 and they they kind of blew it when they lost to Sunderland and it'd be hard to put a relegated manager in the top ten. I think if we we're going to put Kike in there, I'd put him in. I mean, Ranieri's obviously the standout. Yeah. He's going to be hard. Everyone says, oh, well, if it wasn't for Ranieri, Watford would be the story. Well, I think maybe, maybe not. I think you know, Spurs finishing second. And I think we talked earlier about not just the, the results on the pitch or uh, and the league table. It's about behind the scenes. I think Pochettino is... He's, he's taken Spurs to a level where almost what, what we want our next manager to do is to be the, the, the guy with the future who's going to be there, who's going to put foundations in, who's going to set the way of playing, who's going to have a style that's probably a bit more adventurous and is going to make the best of what he's got. But You say that's quite interesting because I thought about Pochettino when I thought about the next level of Watford because he was the next level of Southampton after they were promoted and he didn't stay there very long particularly. Mm. Interesting. Are you at Kike where? I'd probably put Kike... I mean, I'd probably put Koeman a bit further down but I don't know who I'd put above him. I just don't think Southampton have done anything ridiculously you know, beyond what I thought they would do so I think Koeman's fifth kind of out of uh, kind of default if you like because of the big clubs have failed and no one's really had a go so I think Billich deserves it I think West Ham have exceeded expectations my failure to win the prediction league this year is because my West Ham supporting friend at my old job said ah oh, mate we're going down we're rubbish and I kind of said, put, I lowered my expectation of West Ham which I shouldn't teach me to listen to a West Ham fan I put, I put pretty good Kike pretty fourth because okay. it is about necessarily what they achieved um, I wanted to put about fourth um, I put a, a message on my Facebook saying and I tagged a bunch of mates who are football fans of other clubs um, and they were seemed to be placing me either fourth or eighth so I'm going to average and say they sort of reckon Watford were about sixth in terms of achievement um, this year Mike 
if you had to that's your, that's your list yeah. if you had to stick Kike in where would you stick him it's really difficult it's really really difficult I, I feel conflicted um, and I have to point out that my turn I wasn't allowed to put Kike in there because I was the Watford fan voting for other so if you're shouting at the podca- at your podcast machine whatever it is you're listening on it's called an iPhone iPhone yeah. whatever <laughs> so well, I, I did the same thing I texted a bunch of mates and half of them came back and were very sort of po-faced about it and said well look Watford in 12th that's where Kike should be in the, in, the, in, the, in the list of managers that's where he's got his side to nothing more nothing less which I thought was quite an interesting dispassionate view and one I wasn't necessarily expecting because we're used to a bit of fanfare about our handsome head coach and Watford have kicked up a bit of positive PR this year so I was quite interested to hear a, a number of my uh, usually unsensible mates being quite, having quite a, um, quite a pragmatic approach but then there were a couple of others who said look he should be fourth fifth definitely up there in the top five because and it's interesting one of them was Kevin Kevin Day big Crystal Palace fan um, and he said you must never ever ever underestimate how difficult it is to keep a side in the Premier League so he was vehement that he, he should have been fourth but he just thinks uh, and his um, take on it was that funds have been limited which I thought was interesting because I don't think they have um, compa- they've had a limit comparatively to certain clubs yeah. it isn't compared to other clubs it is yeah but, uh, but it's just fascinating to get those two sort of two sort of not polar opposite but very very different views one one, sort of, one camp almost sort of really um, making a bit of a song and dance about it, and the other saying well he's, you know he's done alright you're in 12th that's where he deserved to be fair enough where would I put him I think we, in light of all the hoo-ha we still can't lose sight of of what we did achieve which is Premier League safety if we were sat here on the eve of the Premier League season talking about being in 12th we'd have all be in the pond quite frankly because like I've always said it we worked hard to get here we're here we should enjoy it and enjoy being in 12th place so I reckon I'd have him what, uh, above Eddie Howe in sort of like 6th, 7th something like that um, I think that, yeah, no. I think the reason the reason I've mentioned some of the other ones is because I do, and this is this is pertinent. Perhaps I put Cooman so high because he turned it round at Southampton. They had a poor start, and and they've inched up the table. And I think it's pertinent because I think Kike is suffering because he's had the exact opposite season arc. Started incredibly well. Bar was raised probably at an executive level in the stands level I still remember singing up and down, jumping up and down singing we're all going on the European tour after the Liverpool game the world felt like a magnificent place that afternoon at Vicarage Road it felt very special we were all patting ourselves on the back saying how wonderful it was to be part of this ride so it changed quickly I was a part of that we were all part of that but you know that was the new bar and it was as it turns out impossible to maintain so the only potential addition in four weeks would be Benitez if he keeps him up. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think that miracle is going to happen. <laughs> well, who knows? But if if he, if he manages to keep him up from where he came in, I think I think uh, it, the, the speed of need to hit the ground running. I think again, it, I think the fact that you're making that joke yeah. shows what an achievement it will be for him. But I do think I think what we can we we can take from that is that we all agree that he has performed Kike has performed if you look at it in the, in the um, in the round helicopter view and people have got a view about we didn't turn up in the semi-final we've had a dismal run of form in 2016 the football hasn't been great and I accept all of that because it's impossible not to we've seen and we've seen it but I do maintain that in terms of an achievement it's a big one we were 
coming into the Premier League, we've never stayed in the Premier League, and we've done it. So, that, that in isolation, he deserves recognition and credit and a place high up in that list. And I think he's outperformed a lot of other managers, despite the obvious shortcomings which have uh, uh, manifest themselves in the last couple of months. Igalo, oh, always believe in your soul. You got the power to know you're indestructible. Always believe Igalo, oh. You're listening to From the Rookery End. I'll admit I was feeling pretty miserable on the Monday morning after the uh, after the semi-final. I, I dreamt about it, actually. I dreamt about the striping idols, uh, red and blue. Um, I was annoyed, I was grumpy um, and very unhappy. But sport, I think, was brought sharply into focus very quickly with the news that broke um, when, sadly, we heard that um, Odia Nigalo's father had passed away. And uh, obviously, we don't know Nigalo that well, but he's, he's one of ours. We, we care about... Watford players, for rightly or wrongly, and um, I know one of the good things about the semi-final was that I was there with not only my close friends but also my my parents, my family, and, and my dad amongst them. So I think everyone listening, everyone around this table, everyone listening knows how hard it is, um, or you know how important that bond is with your with your father. So desperately sad news um, to come out of Watford that that Mr. Regalo has has passed, and obviously everyone here from the European passes their condolences on to. Uh, to the Agarlo family, but um, we were lucky enough to speak to, to the big guy before the semi-final, so happier times all round, um, sadly. Um, but yeah, we had, a, uh, we had a great chat about him in, with, with, with Odi Agarlo, and yeah, we talked about his, uh, the sort of first 12 months, wasn't it, of, of his Watford career, and uh, yeah, we talked to him up at, the, up at the training ground. Here we go. We want to start with Granada. You went back there at the beginning of the season. How was that sort of going back... You know, you, you were known as a legend there, and sort of going back. How, how was that? It's been great there because I played almost five years in Granada. I helped the team to gain promotion from the League One to the Spanish La Liga, and played three seasons there in the Spanish La Liga. And uh, I was happy they recognized all what I did there and uh, gave me a hero uh, welcome when I went there and uh, gave me some trophy and some jersey with my name. Like I said, Granada is always my home. Anytime I have time and chance, I always go there to watch them play and visit them, visit my old friends and teammates and uh, the director and everybody there they love me even the city people love me there they still send me messages to now so bearing in mind how loved you were in Spain how difficult was it when you arrived in Watford because you know you probably didn't know much about Watford and Watford supporters were trying to find out a little bit about you and took a little while to get started so what was it like going from hero to kind of like a little bit unknown over here in Watford it was not easy in the beginning, but I like I like challenges. That's why I left uh, the Spanish La Liga. I could have remained in Spain playing in La Liga, but I came to Watford in Championship because I want different challenges in my career, in my life. I've been in Spain for four or five years, so I want different league, different type of challenge and all that. So when I came here, I knew it was not going to be easy in the start because leaving the Spanish League and come to the English League is different, different thing, different way they play, different style and all that. But when the team, when it was not working well in the beginning, I keep my head down. I still working the same way I was working in the beginning, the same way I'm still working today. Because I know the time and chance will come when I will start doing well. So I don't let what people, some fans even insulted me, send me a sort of message and all that. That uh, this is not the kind of player we're looking for and all that. But I keep my cool because I know I believe in myself. I know what I can do. 
even people don't believe in me, but I believe in myself. So I keep my cool, I keep working and all that. Then when the chance come, I started doing well. And the same people that were saying stuff about me, the same people keep sending me messages, praising me and all that. So I don't let stuff like that get into my head. I just keep working and giving my best. What was it in that transition when you first you started playing? What was the biggest thing you think you had to learn? Yeah, I have to learn how you have to be more physical, yeah, because there's some tackle you get in Spain there, you're going to get yellow card, but yeah, when you get the same tackle, the ref going to keep the game going on and all that. You have to be more physical, you have to be ready to fight in 90 minutes and the tempo here is much high, so you have to be ready to run for 90 minutes. It felt to us like the it was the Blackpool game when Odi Nigalo really announced himself, those two feet that we're looking at burst into flames, everything you touched hit the back of the net. Is that how it felt like to you? Yeah, even that game, I never expected I'm going to do it like that because uh, we were losing 2-0 in the first half, then we came in second half and the goal was just coming and every ball I was just touching was just going to the net. I said, wow, maybe this could be the turnaround then. Since after then, I never looked back. I keep working hard and not even the goals alone, but the way I was working in the pitch was, was great and I was happy that year I, I achieved what I achieved. What happened at half-time? What, what was said at half-time that sort of went from being... You know, we went booing as you went off. It was like, oh, God. And all of a sudden, whoosh, this second half happened. And it's the best 45 minutes we've probably ever seen. What happened at half-time? Nothing really happened. Went to the dressing room. We talked to each other that we're playing home. We can win this game. Why are we afraid to play and all that? We have to go out and make everything we've done wrong in the first half, correct them. And the coach, Jokanovic, I could remember, just said, hey, you guys should go in there. I know you have what it takes to win this game or even draw this game and all. Just go there, believe in yourself, play the same way you've been playing and I can see you guys having something in this game. We just go there, what it was, 46 minutes, <laughs> I scored. Then after then, Troy scored, then the goal just keep on coming and all that, so it was, was great. It was a magical afternoon, yeah. <laughs> it was, and, and it's, not, it's not pushing the point to say that people say it's the best half they've ever seen at Watford, ever in their history. But one of the other big games that it felt like us as supporters was the Middlesbrough game at home. That felt like a real key game for our, for our season. Obviously, you scored another great goal. What was it like being involved in that game? And did you get the feeling that that was important to the season, that game? I think that game is one of the games that gave us promotion to the, to the Premier League because playing against Middlesbrough, a good side, we were playing at home. If we didn't win that game, I think it would... Maybe we would have even gained promotion to the Premier League, but it won't come the way we wanted it. But that game was very tough and all that, and I was lucky that I scored... I think one of the goals they have scored in this World for shed outside of the 18 it was great goal so and most especially the team performance that it was great uh, were there any other games in that that run that for you you know for us as fans it's easy to sort of say the middlesbrough game because of the goal you scored and four goals in the game was there one game that sort of meant a lot to you i would say the game against brighton which we we played i didn't i didn't score in that game but i gave one assist to troy and uh, i think after that game that's when we gained um, promotion to the premier league i could remember we are inside the bus coming and uh, middlesbrough i think they lost or they drew against uh, fulham and we're happy i think one of that game was really game that i would say if i remember the way we celebrated inside the bus when we're coming back it was great we're in the premier league now and you, you've got work to do and you're doing it week in week out do you still think about that do you still think about that moment when you found out that you were promoted yeah, I, I, I still think about it because uh, sometimes when the fans talk about it, sometimes when uh, uh, I, I, I want to start checking how the last season went and all that, I remember the game and say, wow, this is the game that gave us promotion and all that. I could remember we are inside the bus. We just 
checking on live score and all that and some people listening to radio and all that we're almost getting to the training ground then they blow the final whistle for the game and the boss was scattered everybody were happy and rejoicing so. what did you what did you do that night do you remember what you did that night i could remember we went to the town center in watford and we went to a bar we were drinking happy celebrating with the fans and all that pointing water on each other and all that and fast forward a little bit to the first game of the premier league season against everton Surprise, surprise, Odi Nogalo on the score sheet again. Were there any immediate differences playing in the Premier League than, than in the Championship? And how did it feel to be pulling on a Premier League jersey? It was great because I was sitting down on that bench that they just, I just want to make my debut in the Premier League and all that. But coming in, scoring goal in my first Premier League game, my debut season was great. I was so happy and it gave, it gave me a lot of joy, you know. I think Premier League and the Championship are two different leagues, you know. Because Premier League, you don't get a lot of opportunities. There's some games you play in championship. When you miss goals, you know that you're still going to get more chances than other. In Premier League, you don't get it because in Premier League, you and the other dogs, you know, you're going to play against big team and good team. So you have to take every chance and you have to play where to win a game and you have to be ready to defend for 90 minutes. There's one level above the Premier League, of course, and that's international football. And you're doing your stuff for Nigeria. What's it like uh, international week? Is it, is it tiring? Everyone says it's tiring. And the other question is, England internationals get caps. Do you get them for Nigeria as well, or do you get something different? <laughs> no, we don't get we don't we don't get that in Nigeria. Though international week, I wouldn't say it looks uh, tiring because um, after you play in the weekend, you have to fly to go play for your national team. Play like two games in uh, six or seven days. It's not it's not really easy and take a long flight. I could remember this one. I just came now. It was very difficult. I have to fly from here to Nigeria for like seven hours from there, from Lagos to the other city. We plane from there. We fly to Egypt. From Egypt back, fly to Nigeria. From Nigeria, fly again and all that. It was difficult. It was really difficult. It was telling on me because we are human. We are not robots. So it's really tiring. But what can you do? It's your national team. This is what I've been working hard for to play to represent my country. So. I have to know how to manage both. And the final sign, Adrian, that you've arrived, we've seen your number plate in the car park. It's a pretty obvious one. If, if you've seen it, you'll know about it. How long did it take you to find that number plate? Uh, it's, it's a gift because uh, when we get promotion after my 20 goals last season in Premier League, somebody gave me, said, this is a gift for you. I was surprised. He just asked me, I should send him the photo of my ID of my driver's license. I sent him to him. Then after two, three weeks, he just sent me a tag. He said, this is your new plan. I, I was so happy. I said, uh, that was a great gift. And uh, I think I, I like somebody, I appreciate what I've done last season, scoring 20 goals for for, for my team. And he's very happy. So. And the last question, OK? So you've obviously got your song, the Spandau Ballet song. If you could have a different song, what would it be? What would, if you got a favourite song that the, the supporters could work your name into, what, what would it be? I think I'll still choose the one the, the supporters here sing for me, the, the, the ballet one. That one is okay. Yeah, I'll stick with that. Igalo, okay. oh. <laughs> We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Uh, <laughs> Uh, thank you very much to Odeon uh, for his time. Uh, he, he, interesting, he did have two phones. Men who have two phones, Jason, <laughs> what are they like? They're wonderful people. <laughs> okay, Jason's got two phones. One's a burner for his, uh, his contacts. Uh, look, we've got, we've got four, four games left of this season. What, Geordie, do we have to look forward to? No, I should rephrase it. What have we got to look forward to? 
We've got four games in the Premier League, which we would have killed for a couple of years ago, right? We've got that. We've got potentially a summer of excitement and change and churn and stuff to talk about, which is great. And, of course, we've got um, Stephen Burkhouse picking up his Pro of the Season award. <laughs> oh, oh, you're not going to let that go, are you? Vote Burkhouse. <laughs> James, what, what, what are you looking forward to for the last four games? The shackles are off now, aren't they? We've not got a, a, an FA Cup final to, to protect ourselves for. Uh, so the guys can go out and give it their all um, and like I said earlier a bit of schadenfreude we can send Sunderland down <laughs> and maybe Norwich as well <laughs> Ooh, but, I don't wanna, but I don't want to send Norwich down I want to let Nor- we should let Norwich win let Newcastle go and Sunderland with them okay. Jason has spoken Mike what, what, uh, what are you looking forward to I think if if Kike does go I'm looking forward to hopefully Watford fans rallying in giving him a a good send off because I say again a lot of people weren't happy with the football and didn't agree with team selection but ultimately he's part of Watford history now he's done a good job for us and I think people can sort of gather around now and just sort of appreciate what he's done and the ins and outs that you can read about in the paper and, and will no doubt come out over the over the coming weeks and over the summer about why he's gone doesn't really matter he's done well for Watford and I'm looking forward to him getting a good send off the, the last home game of the season what I desperately don't want to happen is that end of the Soninho season which just really petered out and there was that toxic display it was, it was Huddersfield wasn't it yeah, when we yeah. lost and it, that was Garson I don't want to go into something like that there's no reason to, to think there is I think we just mentioned the players having the shackles off as supporters we've got the shackles off now because now we know we're safe and we don't have to worry about that blessed FA Cup final anymore you know there's four appealing games in different ways Vicarage Road in the sunshine a couple of times if you're mad enough to go to Norwich enjoy that one uh, say hi to Alan Partridge for me and then there's Liverpool which we, we may, I may well go to but there's plenty of football left um, and then you know the story continues doesn't it we've got a club to support we've got a club who we're you know, we're finding out some of the more unpalatable, perhaps, sides of the Premier League. How quickly our perceptions have changed, and hopefully, we can balance it all out as as, as, as supporters. The club are getting to know life in the Premier League. How are we going to spend the the money that, that everyone's seeing because of the TV deal? You know, the story. It's another chapter, perhaps a chapter that we didn't expect to be coming quite so quickly. But we're football fans. If we're going to be in this game, we need to embrace it. So yeah, bring it on. If anything we've learnt over the last six seasons of doing From the Rookie End is that there's always something to talk about and it's never quite what you think. And as a Watford fan, it's always changing. As uh, well, Geordie uh, missed a trick. There's always something happening and it's usually quite loud. Berg House. <laughs> in the middle of us. Um, we're going to be back uh, in the next podcast we're going to do uh, around the Sunderland game, end of the season. We're going we're gonna to create a top ten of the season not the top 10 moments but the top 10 anythings so if you want to get involved with your top 10 anythings I think we've definitely got to put in key case trainers um, then, then do get in touch uh, Twitter at Watford Podcast or give us an email podcast at from the four games left how many goals are we going to score Jason four Mike eight <laughs> Geordie five we shall see. I'm going to go with three. Hang on, I'm a bit worried now because Mike is so overly optimistic compared <laughs> to the rest of us. Something's gone very, very awry tonight. Defen- defense mechanism. Defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism. Eight more goals. Eight more goals. Eight more a goals. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. <laughs> <laughs>